it has always seemed at least a little curious to me that we predominantly portray the Holy Spirit in terms and images that are gentle and sweet and comforting. That has happened, I suppose, because from the earliest days of Christianity, the Holy Spirit has been represented by a dove. At Jesus' baptism, we're told that the Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove. However, I think that we're mistaken to think of the Holy Spirit too exclusively in images of peace without placing power alongside those portrayals. Power and peace are not mutually exclusive. Consider these biblical images or representations of the Holy Spirit as deep power. In Genesis chapter 1, we learn that prior to creation, nothing was except great form and void, what the Bible calls the deep. Then the Spirit of God begins to move over the waters that represent this chaotic nothingness that can give no life. The Spirit moves over this rolling deep and brings the universe into existence out of chaos, out of nothingness. If scientists are correct that the universe came into existence as the result of a Big Bang so enormous that the universe is still expanding from its force billions of years later, then that spirit must be powerful beyond our ability to conceive or imagine. In the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, every time the Holy Spirit enters the story, we are told that it comes with power. The Greek word translated power in those instances is always dunamis, from which we get words in English such as dynamic, and more interestingly, dynamite. That suggests again that the Holy Spirit is explosive in its power. Today we especially note the description of the Spirit's coming on the day of Pentecost. We are likely to remember that the Spirit fell upon the followers of the risen Christ in tongues of fire. But notice also that there, quote, came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And although we did not read this part of the scene this morning, you will remember that the disciples were led to speak in languages that they did not know. With such power and alteration of their normal state that some people thought they were intoxicated early in the day. The Holy Spirit may be sweet and tender, and it may evoke peace in us, but it is also an experience of power. The reading from John that we have heard this morning might seem to work against this combination of power and peace. What we notice and no doubt remember is the famous saying of Jesus, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. That is beautiful, and it's appropriate which is why we so often use those words of comfort to family members who are bereaved. But let us put them in a context. Just prior to these verses, Jesus says, 
if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask God, and God will give you another advocate. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Keep Jesus' commandments? What are some of the actions Jesus commands? Well, let us think. Blessed are you when people revile and persecute you for my sake. Love your enemy. Forgive seven times seventy. If someone strikes you on the cheek, turn the other. Take up your cross and follow me. These do not promise to be peaceful, sweet endeavors. Jesus was certainly, I believe, a man of peace, but he knew what it was to challenge power, to confront injustice, and to exercise authority in the face of opposition. Notice then the next verse. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Followers of Jesus are to be truth-tellers just as Jesus told the truth, whether it was inconvenient or not. I think we can all agree that truth is an endangered commodity in our current context. There are those who use the easy accessibility of social media to spread information that is not true. False information is presented regarding the COVID-19 virus and the ways in which we can combat it and protect ourselves from it. Our society is afraid to confront the truths about the racial, economic, health care, and gender divides and injustices in our past and our present. The world cannot receive the spirit of truth, but we are called to know that spirit, to have that spirit within us, and to speak the truth. To do so brings the power of the spirit of truth into the world, and that power can change people's lives. And it may not be peaceful, although we work for peace. Alias Shakur is a remarkable, spirit-filled truth-teller for peace. Shakur is a Palestinian Christian who has told his life story up until about 20 years ago in his book, Blood Brothers. Born into a deeply religious family prior to the creation of the State of Israel in 1948, Shakur relates the story of injustice that his family suffered at the hands of the Israeli government, their home and farmland seized, eviction, thrown into the life of refugees. In that, his story can be repeated hundreds of thousands of times in Palestine. The marvel of Shakur's story is the faith which his Christian family brought to their relationship with the Israelis. His father and mother, abused and defrauded though they were, continued to expect eventual justice from the Israeli government. Alias, clearly a brilliant and precocious child, was tapped by the bishop of his church for a quality education. He eventually became a priest in the Maronite Church. They are a part of the Roman Catholic Church in the region. From his small and struggling congregation in a town on the West Bank, 
Shakur developed a tremendous school for Christians, Muslims, and Jews, and has been a leader in interfaith and peace efforts in Israel-Palestine for over four decades. Recognizing the injustice of the Israeli seizure of Palestinian land and the driving of people into refugee camps, Shakur also acknowledges the suffering of Jews throughout history and seeks to find common cause in the mutual pain of Palestinians and Jews. Seeking to live in the Holy Spirit, Shakur has spoken truth, and the Spirit's power has made a significant difference in the lives of many in Palestine and Israel. We know that Jesus didn't just promise the Holy Spirit to the disciples who had seen him in the flesh. The gift of the Spirit is for you and me, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We are to keep Jesus' commandments. We are to receive the truth of the Spirit and speak truth. And that may not bring us a sweet peace. It is hard to bear witness to the truth in the Middle East. The chaos in that region has led to the death, persecution, and forced flight of so many Christians that the Christian population of the Middle East is probably about 20% of what it was 100 years ago. A few years ago, the Chinese government began removing crosses from churches in the province of Hangzhou, where Christianity is growing rapidly and at least two pastors were arrested for protesting that violation of their religious rights. But you and I will probably not be called to such extremes in letting the power of the Spirit lead us into truth-telling and following Jesus' commandments. Our witness is important in other ways. Our witness is important in politics especially in this season of endless cycles of campaigns and elections, it is important that we think of the biblical testimony that God calls God's followers to do justice for those who are marginalized in society, to see that all people live with dignity, to seek ethical behavior in the public arena. Each of us is challenged to think carefully about how it is that such biblical principles are best achieved in our city, state, and nation, and to vote for those people and policies we are convinced will promote them. The spirit of truth will lead us to address the great social issues of our day. The list of challenges to our society and to our world is long. Climate change, international peace, LGBTQIA rights, dignity of life issues, immigration, the place of marginalized people, the state of public education, and so on, the list will run. There will be no movement to resolve those issues without truth-telling, without honestly facing our complicity in their creation and perpetuation, without honestly calling out those who have the authority to make large-scale change, and without engaging in those actions that may affect new paths. That is the kind of power the Spirit can bring into our lives 
if we but open ourselves to its movement. What then has this power to do with the peace we associate with the Holy Spirit? What has it to do with the peace Jesus gives, which is not given as the world gives? Clearly, we should not expect the peace of life to be one of unhindered joy, a life without sorrow, or even a life without conflict. What we can expect, I believe, is the peace which comes with seeking to live in the Spirit's power. You know how it feels, don't you, when you are convinced you have done the right thing, even if the result wasn't what you wanted, even if others rejected what you did? There is a calmness, an inner strength, a quiet assurance that comes with the conviction that we have done our best to let the Spirit's power move within and through us. That is the peace that the early martyrs of the church experienced. That is the peace Martin Luther King Jr. experienced. That is the peace you and I can experience in the Spirit, a confidence that God is with us, that God will not forsake us, that although the world may not want to receive the truth when we have the courage to speak it, the advocate from God dwells within us and with its power. Yes, the Holy Spirit is a spirit of peace, but it comes to us with a power that has changed lives and has changed the world. My prayer for you and my prayer for me is that on this Pentecost day, we will feel the Holy Spirit swoop down upon us like the rush of a violent wind and empower us to be truth-telling disciples of our risen Lord. And as we live in that manner, may we have the Spirit's peace that the world cannot give. All praise and glory be to our God. Amen.